Hi, this is Brian Donahue. I'm the planner and lead pastor at Pursuit Friends Church. We're excited that you've chosen to spend some time with us this week. At Pursuit Friends, we are committed to pursuing God with abandon and passion. This week, we were blessed to have Ron Jones, our men's ministry director, bring the word of God to us as we gathered for worship on Sunday. It was a great time as Ron challenged us to deepen our pursuit of God and gave us practical ways to do that. I know this message will bless and challenge you. Let's get into it as our brother Ron teaches us from the Word of God. So, since Brian opened with a Christmas song, I'm going to start with a little Christmas history here. I, when I was a kid, I loved Christmas. I loved the family gatherings. My mom, would, she baked a lot, so we would help her in the kitchen bake goods and taste the goods. The Christmas carols I loved on the radio, the excitement of the season, the presents, the whole package, right? It was just a very nostalgic time of year, and my parents did a great job loving us and showing us a great Christmas. As an adult, I love Christmas all the more, but for many different reasons, right? And even though Hollywood and the commercialization of Christmas is trying to put a damper on it, it's so much bigger than that. And on that first Christmas night, when shepherds were doing what shepherds do, tending their flocks in the fields, a host, an army of angels appeared to them, the lowest members of society, with a great message, a song of glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Only Jesus can transcend heaven to earth and meet us in the middle, bringing heaven to earth and giving us away on earth to get to heaven. That's what Jesus does for us. So that's why it's so important that we abide in him. He lovingly does it with grace and gentleness. We tend to make it more complicated, as Francis alluded to. We overcomplicate the gospel. It is a simple message, a message that babies can understand, but yet so powerful and complex men have gone to war over it. So it is very important that we abide in the Father. Jesus abided in him and modeled for us what that looks like. He always shows us the way, so it's important that we understand his word. So I'm going to read John 15, 1 through 17. I'm going to get modern and do it off my phone, because I don't think this could support my word. So if you want to turn with us and join us in the reading of that, we're in John 15. I'm going to read the first 17 verses. I read from the New King James Version, so if you have a different translation, it's going to vary a little bit, but the message is going to be the same. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, so it's a close-knit group. It's not a mass population. It's his closest followers, and it's just after the Lord's Supper, right? So there's probably only 11 of them, 12 of Jesus. Judas is off doing his own mischievousness, and Jesus tells his disciples, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you, and abide, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another." So we all differ in strength, both bodily, physically, and spiritually. We're all gifted and equipped differently. Sometimes I think it's easier to tell the physical disparities than it is the spiritual, for only God can truly see what's in our heart. While others may have a glimpse of how we are spiritually, They'll never know the full picture. So to give you an example, if I were to fill this place with weights from one pound to 550 pounds and five pounds, 25, 50 pound increments, you pick your denominational or your, your little difference there. And we all start lifting these weights. We're all going to max out at different places within that spectrum, right? Because we're all different physically, given different physical strength. Same thing spiritually. We're all in different places spiritually. Some of us are babes in the faith. Some of us are mature spiritual giants. And it's all for the glory of God. And just like physical exercise, we can become stronger by hitting the gym and, and working out. And everybody knows who stands in the gym because you reap what you sow, right? You get in, but you get out what you put in. You work hard in the gym, you're going to be a physical beast. If you go in there and just talk and do a little bit of this and that, you're not going to get any stronger. Same thing spiritually. We have to abide in the Father in order to get stronger spiritually. We can all be spiritual powerhouses, and I know we're all given and equipped differently, and we're all gifted differently, but there's really no excuse to not be spiritually mature, strong individuals. So abide. We're going to talk about three main things today. Abide, obey, and love. And it's almost like a formula, but we'll get into this discussion and we'll see how this works together. We're also going to talk about persecution a little bit, because I think that's important, because as we abide in love and obey, we're going to be persecuted for, for loving the world. So let's start with abide. In the New King James Version, which I use, abide is mentioned 10 times in the first 10 verses. That's a lot of repetition. When a word that is repeated that often, my spiritual ears tend to perk up. Something special, something meaningful is about to happen. What is that? So. You know, I didn't understand that abide can be a bad thing as well. I've always thought of abide as a good thing. I don't know where you guys stand with that, because I'm not that literate. I'm not that smart. I was a C student in college. But so I'm looking this up and abide. The good, the good part of abide means to accept or act in accordance with the rule, decision, or recommendation. Similar words are follow, keep to, obey, and respect. The opposite is to reject and to flout. And I had to look up what flout meant. It means openly disregard a law. So while the former is easy for us to understand, at least for a simple person like me, the latter, maybe not so much. 
So we're going to go to Genesis 19 to get a better look at what the bad abide means. So just to give you the context, Abraham was just, I should say God was just putting up with Abraham's bartering about sparing cities if there were so many righteous people left in the city, right? He started with a high number and worked down to like 10. If there's 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? So God sent two angels to deliver Lot and his family before he wipes out Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. And the angel gave his family a command, do not look back. So as they're fleeing the city, Lot's wife could not abide with that command. She looks back and the Bible tells us she's turned into a pillar of salt for her disobedience. So there is consequences for disobedience to God's word. I know this generation thinks everything is true and you define your own truth, not biblical. We mess up, we're gonna get punished. Those, puni those punishments can be eternal. So this is serious. It's important that we understand this. And thank God for grace, amen? Because I know I need it. So I brought a picture to illustrate a grapevine. People living in Jesus' time during the, 21st, or during the first century in that region would understand this word metaphor very vividly. Us in Stark County or our surrounding areas in the 21st century, maybe not so much. So you'll notice there are no roots in this picture. We're gonna focus on the top part of the crop if that's okay. And you can see the leaves and the vine. The vine is the big part and the branches are the smaller parts and the grapes grow off the branches. So how this works, very simply, the vine is kind of like the heart of this plant. It takes the nutrients from the ground and takes them to the branches. And the branches take those nutrients and produce the fruit of the crop where we get grapes. So that's kind of how it works. If you've never seen a grapevine before, there you go. We had two in our backyard. If you don't attend to them, they're a mess. They just go all over the place, right? <laughs> so the vine dresser, our loving father, has to tend to this crop continuously or it gets out of control and it doesn't produce good fruit. He must take a sharp knife and remove the dead branches, which are worthless. They're good for nothing and throws them into a fire. And it takes constant care to maintain this crop. So the loving vine dresser uses that same sharp knife to prune this plant in order that it may produce the optimum amount of fruit, right? Without, ten, without continuous care, this would be a ruinous mess. So sometimes when we're being pruned by our father, it might feel like we're being disciplined and it might hurt. And you might be living a holy, righteous life, and why am I going through this, Lord? Because our loving Father is tenderly and gently pruning you to bear more fruit for a future state in life. Or maybe you're walking through a season of immaturity, and our loving Father is going to prune you so that you can become more mature and fruitful for his work in the kingdom. All right? It's important to know that just because you're in a painful place, you're not being punished. I think a lot of times as believers, we're going through some funk, and we're like, why are you punishing me, God? When he's not punishing you, he's preparing you for greater works. All right? And the Father constantly, constantly has to attend to his, to his saints, to his crop. So before we can abide in the Father, we must do something. We must do some forsaking. We must forsake the world. We must forsake sin. We must forsake our bad, ungodly habits, right? Let's break this down in the natural. I grew up and I'm a Firestone racing fan and I go to college and I support Firestone and their tires and their products and I'm Mr. Firestone posters all over the room, Firestone hat, and I graduate and get an offer from Goodyear. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have to forsake Firestone. I have to turn my allegiance from Firestone to Goodyear. If you're a sports fan like myself, and I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan, and I, I'm just gung-ho, all the t-shirts and everything, and my little brother gets drafted by the New York Giants, I don't have to, but I should forsake the Cleveland Browns. Say, I get drafted by the New York Giants. I have to forsake the Cleveland Browns, and I have to give my allegiance to my new team that pays my, my weekly checks. So that's what forsaking looks like. And it's important to note that when Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he did not ask them to memorize a creed. He did not ask them to say a sinner's prayer. He simply said, follow me. We overcomplicate it, like Francis said. It's simple, you're either dead, heading for the fire, or you're alive and attached to the vine, the king, the father, and he's gonna prune you and shape you and constantly work with you. So, why is it so important to abide? Three main reasons. Number one, it brings us into oneness with the father. As Jesus and the father were one, we have that same opportunity to be one with the father. Have you forsaken the ungodliness in your life? Are you committed to the father? You want to abide in him fully. And I'm not talking about perfection. Lord knows I fall short. Lord knows I need grace. But this is a process, right? I've been going through a lot of transitions in life and a lot of changes. So change isn't the problem. I'm weak and I want to get smart. So I, I need to change. I need to read books. Great. I've identified how to change. Anybody can identify it. The process, the transition is where it gets hard. That's where you need a strategy and a plan. So I'm a child of the enemy. I want to be a child of God. Great. What's your strategy? You need to abide. You need to get close to the Father. And we'll show you how that's done here in a little bit. Abiding in the Father also positions us to bear much fruit. As the illustration shows, when that branch comes off, it's not producing any fruit. You're done. So by abiding in the Father, it positions us. As our Father prunes us and develops us and grooms us, we can bear much fruit. It's important to note that this fruit that we're going to produce is not soul winning. All right. It is not. It is manifesting the fruits of the spirit in your life. The fruits of the spirit, if you're not familiar with the word of God, are found in Galatians chapter five. There's nine of them. I would be amiss if I did not share them with you. Love. Joy. Peace. Long suffering. Kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we abide in the Father, these fruits are going to manifest themselves in our lives. We'll become more loving. We'll become more joyful. You won't be a sourpuss and Mr. Grumpykins that nobody wants to be around. You're going to be a fun, happy person. And happy and joy are two different things. Happy comes and goes. Joy remains even during the persecutions and the trials. So let those fruits manifest by being connected to the Father, abiding in Him. Without abiding in our Father, we can do nothing. We're worthless. It's all in the flesh. You die, it's all forgotten, it's all gone. It's just a work of the flesh. It's something that man does. So we must be connected to God to be pleasing to Him. We cannot do this on our own. It's kind of a, an ironic thing, right? We strive and we're gifted and equipped and God makes us uniquely for his purposes, but it's by him. Just like we can't give what we don't have without his provision, we can do no good works for the Father unless we're abiding in him, obeying him and following him. So abiding is very important. So if you don't abide and you want to know how to abide, it's, it's important that we know what that looks like.
So in the text in John 15, you hear it over and over again. There's two main themes that just get woven through that scripture. It's being in God's presence and being in God's word. Two simple things, but yet they require time. And it doesn't mean that we have to give all of our time to these things, but priorities become paramount, right? So being in God's word, the scripture tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God in Romans chapter 10. We have got to hear the word of God. We've got to be in God's word. It's hard to obey a commandment if you don't know what the commandment says. So we have to saturate ourselves in God's word. We also need to regularly be in God's presence, right? Quiet time, reading his word, praying, individual worship and praise, along with corporate worship and praise. The Bible says, do not forsake meeting as some have, but all the more as that day draws near, continue to meet with one another. So it's important that we are basking in God's word and that we are basking in God's presence. So prioritization, this is the one thing where we're all evenly stacked. The cards are not stacked against anybody in this room. We all have 24 hours in a day. So how do you prioritize your time? How much do you give to God? I'm not saying it has to be all day, every day, but it needs to be top priority. If you're going to properly abide in God, you don't need to forsake your hobbies and your abilities and your talents and your likes. You can still watch football and the Buckeyes. You can geek out on Star Trek and all that good stuff, but it's God first. <laughs> Amen to that, right? <laughs> but it's God first. See top dog on your pecking order. So you need to give yourself an evaluation regularly an honest self-evaluation. Do not let pride get in the way. And it's okay if you're not where you need to be. When I get close to God, I feel very dirty and very unworthy because I rightly see myself as dust because that's what I am. But it's such a beautiful thing that he knows who we are. He knows our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our secret sins. There's nothing not exposed. Nothing is bare. He knows it all. We can't hide it from him. So do an honest self-assessment. Do not let pride get in the way and then correct it. It's easy. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's in John 15, 7, which are great and reassuring words for those of us that are in Christ. But just like Jesus, he takes it further, right? He always goes deeper. Remember the definition of abide? Abide means to accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, or recommendation. Similar words are to follow, keep to, obey, and respect. Later in verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, he shows us the way he models the behavior he wants. Obedience is a key element of abiding in the Father. And the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. It's very important, especially if you understand the sacrificial system where the Jews had to sacrifice bulls and goats to be right in God's eyes. The word of God says that obedience is better than that. Obedience is very important. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. All throughout the history of time, God is looking for obedient hearts that want to follow him and obey him. Who do you obey and why? For every one of us here obeys someone and something. Anyone here hear of Stanley Milgram? 
I've been calling this poor guy Milligram all week as I'm preparing for this message, and I'm playing. Please, God, don't let me call him Milligram during my message. Stanley Milgram was a controversial psychologist. He went to Harvard back in the late 50s or somewhere in the 50s, and he worked for Yale. And he did a very famous and controversial study involving word pairs and instructions and consequences for diso disobeying the instructions. And what this guy did was he would have a student group and a pupil group, or a teaching group and a student group. And the teachers would give these instructions to these students, and if the students didn't follow the instructions, he would shock them. And the shocks increased in intensity until they were dangerous to the body. So the shocks were fake. The students were his understudies and his accomplices in this little experiment. So they would act out the shocks, right? And you just visualize this, it's hilarious. Like on the ground, <laughs> so very controversial. But the gist of this was his peers and his colleagues told him only 1% of these teachers are gonna follow that command because it's cutting edge, it's insane. What the study found was it was like 65 to 75% follow those instructions. And what he found from this was it's the authority in the person giving the commands that made them want to obey or disobey. So there's no godly message here in this study. It is weird. It's whacked out. It's, it's not healthy stuff. But the authority figure giving the instructions is what's important to remember from that. Obedience, again, I got to look this stuff up, right? It's simply defined as compliance with commands given by an authority figure. So people tend to obey for three main reasons. They want something good, they want to avoid something bad, or they believe the authority is legitimate. Those are the three things. Reward, avoid punishments, or the person that's telling me this is the real deal. Our obedience is directly proportionate to our faith in God. The more you believe Jesus is who he said he is, the more you're going to obey him and God's word. We believe Jesus is who he said he was. And again, obedience goes much deeper than this. But how is your obedience to our Father? That's a question we need to regularly ask ourselves. I know I have a long way to go. And I like to keep things simple. God's word is paramount to properly obeying Jesus. We need to know what it says or we have no chance in obeying him. Right? Again, Jesus models and plainly tells us how to do this. The golden rule. Love God with our whole soul, our whole heart, our whole mind, and all our strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. This is so important if we want to abide properly. If you keep my commandments, if you obey me, you will abide in my love. Abide, obey, and love. It's almost like a formula for success in becoming a spiritual giant in the kingdom. So we need to abide, we need to obey to be full of our Father's love. When we do this, we are full of our Father's love, and it makes abiding and obeying much easier because we're going in his power, not our own power. Right? So we're going to get into love. We've talked about abiding. We've talked about obeying. We're going to get into love. But before I do that, I think it's fitting to say that I'm not worthy to be preaching this message. I'm not worthy to be my daughter's father. I'm not worthy to be my husband's wife. I'm not. I am, I am dirt. I, am, I see clearly who I am. And when I get close to God, and this morning, 
I woke up and spent an hour praising him and worshiping him. And it just breaks me because I'm not worthy. But, oh, I'm thankful. I am thankful for his love and for his grace. Praise you, Jesus. So there's been so many songs, poems, and movies about love. Men have fought over love. Men have gone to war over love. And in the name of perfect love, our loving father sent his only son to die in our place because he loves us that much. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. You'll notice this is not advice and it's not a suggestion. It is a command as I have loved you. What do you do with this? What do you do with it as I have loved you? Jesus shows us, and dare I say, this is hardcore. This is even impossible without divine intervention. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Even though we are unworthy and we're dust going back to dust, the Lord makes us worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And we should be setting, and we should be setting aside our interest to serve the Lord in serving others. Now, I'm not saying you just, that's all you do. If God tells you to go to Malaysia to become a missionary, I'd, I'd listen to that. <laughs> I would confirm it through fasting and prayer and seeking out his commands. But he's not saying, don't watch football ever again. He's not saying, don't watch Star Trek ever again. Don't play video games ever again. Don't go work in a scrapyard ever again. <laughs> it's priorities. Make him your first priority. There's power in three. The power of three, you think about this, you know, the Bible says that the natural precedes the spiritual. When, when I hire somebody at work, I use this three by three by three method. It's like the power of three cubed. It's very powerful. You talk to a minimum of three candidates. You bring them in and talk to them on three different occasions, and you have three different people in your organization talk to them. In Matthew chapter five, the word talks about praying, giving, and fasting. When you do those three together, you kind of like get a spiritual powerhouse because it's a three-ply cord that's not easily broken. Faith, hope, and love, the Father, Son, and Spirit. The power of three is all over Scripture. Abide, obey, and love. I've never really heard those taught as the three connectors, but I'm telling you, there's something there. If you've not practiced the power of three in your spiritual walk, give it a try. Prayerfully pray over it. Do some giving, some fasting, and some praying, and watch spiritual strongholds crumble. Jesus comes full circle in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. It's very important to know that you're not here by accident. Your profession is not accidental. Your placement, wherever you live, is not accidental. Your home is a strategic placement by the king of glory. The school you go to, the classes you attend, the teachers you have, your neighbors, all divinely appointed for the glory of our Father. Our Father has great plans for you. I've really struggled with doubt lately. I mean, it's kicking my butt. Kicking my butt. If you don't know me, I just got promoted. I'm working for a new company. I'm a vice president. I don't even know how a vice president's supposed to act. I don't know what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to say. And the devil has just taken that and just kicked my butt. You're not worthy to be a vice president. 
You're right. I'm not. I'm a C student from Dayton. <laughs> but God, God has really placed me where I'm at. So if, if God can use a moron like me, think of what he can do with you who are smart and intelligent. There's hope. And I, I just thank him for that. Whether, I mean, it's like Esther. Right here and right now is your moment. Strategically placed. Goodyear, a pastor, a counselor, a student, a mechanic, scrappers, superintendents, whatever your story is, data analyst or whatever, God has placed you right here and right now for that moment. So we should rejoice in that, knowing that we are part of a divine plan. It's beautiful and humbling. We just need to abide. You should know your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Intent to abide, obey, and love. These things I command you that you love one another. Another hint to be asking for is that we are loving, that we're full of the fruits of the Spirit, so that when we're squeezed, the golden rule oozes out of us. Joy oozes out of us. To be so full of love, the world is not worthy of us. How about one of those saints from Hebrews 11? To be gored and sawn in half because the world's not worthy of you? I'll take it. I'll take that all day. Love others. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Abide, obey, and love will lead you to, to a closeness with the Father and the Son through His Spirit that you cannot begin to imagine. You will become a spiritual giant for the kingdom. And yes, even greater works than the Lord Jesus did that Brian mentioned last week, we will do. As hard as that is to fathom, that's what we're called to be and that's what we're called to do. Love others, and the world will hate you for it. I, I don't understand this, but you ever notice the nicer you are to some people, the more they hate you? Just, why is that? Just remember this. The world hated Jesus first. And if it hated him, it's going to hate us. But the helper is coming, the Holy Spirit, to assist and help us in all we do for the Lord's glory. So I'll tell you this. It is very vital that we count the cost of following Jesus. Before you get into something and you can't finish it, count the cost. You want to go down this road because it's going to cost you a lot. But I can tell you what, I'm going on 20 years of walking with the Lord. I'm 50, so I still got 30 years of world in me, but 20 years of the Lord in me. And I can see that battle. But I counted the cost before I came to follow Christ, and I laid it all on the line. If you know my testimony, I gave it all to him. I could lose everything, and I'm good with that because I'd rather lose it all and be with Jesus than have it all and not be with God, not be with his son. It's that simple. It's eternal math. You want to have eternity and glory and, and peace, or do you want to have a, a brief moment in time on planet Earth with goods and riches? Keep them. They're all going to burn one day. You can have them. So I'll end with these encouraging words from the Gospel of Luke. As the disciples walked the Emmaus Road, and Jesus appeared to them, and they kind of filled him in like, you don't know what's going on in Jerusalem today? Are you like beside yourselves? So Jesus opened the scriptures to him from Moses, which is from the beginning, creation through the garden, and he opened up the scriptures to them. And they were like, wow, this guy's amazing. So as they came to the end of their journey, the night was spent, the day was gone. They asked Jesus to abide with them. Come and abide with us. And Jesus did. 
If you ask Jesus to abide with you, he will not turn you down. He will take you as you are, broken, incomplete, unworthy. He wants you. He wants you to abide with him. That's sweet assurance from the Lord, knowing that the most powerful creator ever wants you to abide with him. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you've been encouraged and empowered to live out the gospel wherever you go this week. I'd also like to encourage you to be in God's Word every day. Because as great as I think this podcast is, it's not enough nourishment to get you through the week. Make your faith and relationship with Jesus personal. And the best way to do that is to be in His Word daily. If you don't have a church home, I'd like to invite you to check out Pursuit Friends Church. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. You can find out more about us at PursuitFriends.org. I hope you have a great week as you pursue God with abandon and passion.